0: Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise if you would. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all did a great job. As always, I think that a lot of us are aware, but in case you're not, let me make you aware of how blessed we are to have the, the talented musicians and singers we do. Amen? They do an incredible job under the, the leadership of Pastor Josh and leading us into the presence of God. and I, It leads me into the presence of God. That's what it did this morning. Amen. I, I just have been worshiping the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. To lead us into worship. Did you find yourself, I know we've got problems on the outside and whatever, did you find yourself not worried about that and just worried about what you were singing to the Lord? Amen. That's what it's all about. It is good to see you today we have a busy schedule coming up the next uh, few months, which is the way it should be. And as Brother Dan said, it, it literally feels like just a couple of weeks ago was Christmas. And there are a couple of interpretations. And uh, when you talk about it in, in perfect context, with what this scripture I'm about to quote to you is talking about, I think it's talking about uh, the elect of the household of Israel uh, after the tribulation period begins. But there's a scripture that says that uh, the very elect wouldn't make it if the Lord didn't shorten the days. Anybody ever ever read that scripture? But I think it can be properly applied, applied one interpretation of it, is it certainly seems like uh, that 60 seconds don't last as long as it used to. Have anybody found that out? It seems like the days literally are being shorter, and somebody say, well, I can't be. Well, let me tell you something, God, controller of time. The Lord's able to make 60 seconds not last as long as it used to. Does that make sense? Because I declare what used to seem like an eternity whenever I was a child, maybe it's just part of growing older and knowing that your days are numbered, but I'm just declaring it seems like that, that, that time has passed by swiftly. And what that should do is make us about our Father's business. Amen? And we got a message today, and I'm going to go ahead and confess to you today's message is one that I have never heard preached. And I have never preached it before, but I believe the Lord has laid it on my heart and we're going to do some analogy today. We're going to go, being it is uh, just a week after we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to go to a, a part of that story. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 27 and read verses 57 through 61. Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 through 61. The Bible says, when the even was come and there, there came a rich man of Arimathea, Named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. And laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, sitting over against the sepulcher. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. I'm going to preach to you a message today entitled "He Begged for the Body." The story of the Christ uh, of the cross, rather, provides, as you know, many powerful messages that speak to the church today. And and I guess over the years I have been privileged, and it is a privilege because. As we always talk about Easter, it is the centrality of the whole gospel message. The cross of Christ and the empty tomb that brings us victory, the whole Bible culminates in that. So much so that a portion of our New Covenant, New Testament writing, in particular if you want to look at this, you need to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul makes it clear That everything we're about as Christians would mean nothing if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We would have no power or no authority or no proof that he is Lord. We would have no reason to live for the future. We would have no guarantee of eternal life. We would have no victory in our soul. But the tomb is empty and Jesus is Lord. And because of that fact, I've been privileged as so many others to preach I I really don't know in my years of ministry, I probably have preached literally at least a hundred different sermons on the cross and uh, the empty tomb, but I've never preached this today. But that great story provides so many powerful messages that continually speak to the church. But one of the most unique messages that I have found regarding the church, and it is speaking to this body of believers that is called the church. The word church, and we may share this later on, but the word church literally uh, comes from the Greek word ekklesia, or ecclesia, and it means the gathering or the ones who are called out together in the name of the Lord. And this message really speaks to us today, those of us that have joined as the scripture will show into his body by faith, not his physical body, but his body of believers, This particular scripture in context is about a man who was concerned for the Lord's body after it was crucified. This scripture is complete in its analogy uh, of the church being likened to the body of Christ. Let me give you some references to what the word of God says so that we can build a foundation of where we're going today. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 says, for we are members of his body. Colossians 1 and 18 says, he is the head of the body, the church. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, now ye are the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, says, the church is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 15, Paul said, Don't you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? So here the Word of God lets us know that God looks on us as believers as a body and compares it to a physical body. Different parts of the body, all of it necessary, different functions in the body but all of it necessary for the proper function of that body. That's why the word goes on to say that when one member of the body suffers, all of the body suffers. Amen. How many of you ever stubbed your toe? It hurts all over, doesn't it? Amen. As God was manifest in the flesh, in a fleshly body 2,000 years ago, in the body of Jesus... So now God is manifest in the earth today through his body, the church. He looks through our eyes and reaches through our hands. We are his body. and Just like Joseph of Arimathea in the scripture today, somebody needs to be concerned about the body of the Lord. Joseph was in a political system of the day. The Bible lets us know that he was a man of great wealth. Matter of fact, there's an Old Testament prophecy concerning Joseph of Arimathea that you may not be familiar with. Though it does not call him by name, the Word of God speaking about the death of Jesus says he was crucified with the wicked and buried with the rich. This man was a wealthy man. He was in the system of the day. However... He was not of the system. One of the great prayers in all of the Bible is found about John chapter 16 or so, where Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane for all of us that would believe on him through the efforts of the disciples. And he said these words about the body that was to come. Lord, they are in the world, but they're not of the world. He said, God, I pray not that you would, you would take them out of the world, but you would bless them while they're in the world. You see, a Christian can be in politics. A Christian can be in arenas of influence in society. It is entirely possible that a child of God can be in the system without the system being in him. I'm going to say that again. Now, I'm fixing to preach to you. Just bear with me a few minutes. Because you've heard it worded, we word it differently. But uh, the word of God lets us know when one of the problems in the church today is the world is influencing us instead of us influencing the world. Amen? I'm going to say that again. It is entirely possible that a child of God can be in the system without the system being in him. Joseph was a disciple. And he was concerned enough to plead For the dead body of Jesus. There are a few points I want to share with you that we should emulate and imitate from Joseph of Arimathea today concerning the body of Christ. The Bible lets us know that Joseph went to Pilate in the evening after Jesus had been crucified. The Bible also lets us know that Passover was about to begin. If you do your history study, you'll find that Jesus died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the Sabbath was to begin at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. It was necessary that Jesus be taken off the cross and his body prepared before sundown. Otherwise, Jewish ceremonial law of uncleanliness would have been desecrated. In other words, time was running out. Something had to be done with the body. Matter of fact, when you read Matthew chapter 27 in its entirety, you find that these same women who were there were caught up in grieving, as it is understandable they should be. These were women who Jesus had blessed. The Bible indicates and church history tells us that it is not only quite possible, but it's probable that Mary Magdalene was the woman that was brought to Jesus In the act of adultery and the Jewish law had ordained it and the rulers of the day in the Jewish church, the synagogue, had gathered stones to stone her to death. And it was quite probable it was Mary Magdalene that Jesus looked at those and wrote in the ground and said, You without sin cast the first stones. And they dropped their stones because they all had sin. And when she lifted up her eyes, Jesus said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, I have none. Jesus said the famous words, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. So Mary Magdalene, who had been forgiven of great sin, Mary, the mother of Jesus, quite possible or probable, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, they were distraught and they were there concerned and mourning the body of Jesus. Yet Joseph of Arimathea had a different mindset. He knew something had to be done with the body. He knew the timing was of great importance. He knew that time was running out. He knew that that was a critical time and somebody must take the initiative and prepare the body. Can I tell you, we're living in critical times now. And some people are more concerned about the problems of their own life. They're more mourning what they've lost instead of preparing what they're going to gain. These are critical times. Jesus is coming soon, and somebody needs to prepare the body because time is running out. John 9 and 4 says that the night is coming when no man can work. Matthew 24 and 36 says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Not only did Joseph of Arimathea understand the urgency of the hour, he added holiness to the body. Verse 59 in our passage today said, He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. That word clean in the Greek means a cloth that has been bleached. In other words, great measure has gone into removing it of all impurities. Now I want you to notice what is happening here. The body of Jesus had been abused. It was unclean. He had been spit upon. He had been flogged. He had been beaten. His side had been pierced. Nail scars were in his hands and his feet. A crown of thorns had been placed upon his head. His back had been filleted. By the flogging that he uh, suffered in Pilate's Praetorium. He had been thrown to the ground. Joseph's attitude though was one of cleanliness. He brought something clean into the picture. In other words, he wasn't concerned about the impurities of the body of Christ. He was still going to wrap it in a proper clean cloth. I want to tell you something. We don't like to hear this in the world we live in today. But the Bible lets us know that God desires a holy people. The church has been dragged through the mud long enough. Amen. The Bible says, follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews 12 and 14. The word of God says in Psalms 24, 3 and 4, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands. Amen. Can I tell you, we got enough trash in the church today. we got enough sin in the church today. God is looking for somebody that is concerned enough about the body of believers that we bring a little holiness and cleanliness to the equation. Somebody say amen. amen. The third thing I notice about Joseph is that Joseph was an anointer. I love this. He was an anointer. Amen. In John's version of the story, in John chapter 19, verse 39, John reveals that Nicodemus, who you see in John chapter 3, became a believer in Jesus. And that this Joseph of Arimathea brought spices and ointments to anoint the body of Jesus. To me, that's a wonderful picture of the saints of God. There are people who have an abundance of embalming fluid. They just want to bury it. Somebody say amen. I'm going to preach to you a minute now. Amen. You ever, you ever notice what I'm talking about in the church? Everything they speak is a curse. They're all about burying somebody. Can't wait for somebody to sin so they can bury him. Can't wait for somebody to fail so they can talk about it. Death, 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 death. Everywhere they go. Amen. They carry around a pocket of embalming fluid. But then there are others that carry around a pocket of anointing oil. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. In other words, some people bring stink to the grave. Others bring some sweet smell and savor to the grave. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you we anoint or embalm with our tongue? Our encouragement or lack of it raises someone or lays them to rest. Proverbs 15 and 4 says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach of the spirit. Proverbs 18 and 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I want to tell you something. God is looking for somebody today who's got the anointing on them. They're coming to bring something sweet to the table. They're not looking at things in the terrible situation in the light of what is. They're looking at things in the light of what will be. My God, have mercy. Somebody would look and say, yeah, but he's in the grave. But I believe that Joseph of Arimathea was one of those who said, yeah, but he's going to get out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Some people all they want to talk about the church is in a funk. The church can't make it. But I came to tell you today that we are the church of the living God and he's already promised that he would build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I read in the scripture that he's coming back after a victorious church without spot or blemish. Next thing that Joseph did is he put the body in a position for revival. Amen. Amen. Everything an individual does in the church should always lend itself to an atmosphere of revival. In other words, I believe that Joseph had an insight. I believe that Joseph may have been thinking about the fact that Jesus was going to rise again. He laid him in a position that he could do so. I've been privileged, as you know, to travel to the empty tomb in Jerusalem And I can just see it as Joseph laid it there. Oh, glory to God, that he knew a day of victory was coming. Hosea 6, 1 and 2 says, come and let us return to the Lord. After two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will raise us up. The scripture is full of that. Morning may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It didn't come to last, it came to pass. Glory to God. Forever trial, there's a victory. Forever war, there's a victory. Forever problem, there's an answer. Forever sickness, there's a cure. Forever sin, there's forgiveness. Forever hopeless situation, there is hope. Forever lost person, he is the way. Forever lie you've been told, he is the truth. And with the death of the world, he is life and life abundantly. Glory to God. There's a better day. Come on. Joseph anticipated the third day. I believe that. That's why he was determined to get the body off the cross and in a place where the Spirit of God could come upon it. You see, Joseph quite possibly was sitting there when Jesus had taught destroy this temple and in three days I will build it back up. Amen. Our preaching, our singing. You want to know why in the darkest of situations we still sing songs of hope? Now, I don't want to offend anybody with what I'm about to say. Please don't be offended. I've got a wonderful praying mama. And I've got one grandparent left. I'm just a blessed, blessed man. And I know that, and I've watched many times, my grandmother's left, Nana Peavy was so close to her mama. And I've watched her different times, mourn her. And I realize, and I mean this, with all with all sincerity and understanding. I know that when we celebrate Mother's Day that that brings up some sadness for many as well as happiness because can't nobody replace a mama, amen? But I just don't think in a church service when we're rejoicing about the Lord is the greatest time to sing the old song if I could hear my mother pray again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been to the church services where everything they talked about was how bad it was? Amen. Every testimony was if I could just make it through? Yes. Amen. While traveling through this world of sorrow. <laughs> Amen. And they forget the part, I'm on my way to Canaan land. Amen. Some people more concerned about it. But can I tell you, everything we're about, the reason we sing songs of victory is be- not because we're having, we're having a great day all the time. The reason we come to church all the time and lift our hands is not because we always feel like it, but because we're positioning ourselves for revival because we know that God will finish what he started. We know that what the enemy meant to destroy us, God always turns it around and makes it a testimony just like the empty tomb. Amen. Amen. Revival is coming. (laughs) Lastly, we see that Joseph had a spirit that prepared a place for the saint and sinner to sit together. When you walk in the empty tomb in Jerusalem, and this was all over the day, this is the way they used to do it. And This is not the only tomb. We went to the tomb of the prophets and it's the same thing. They prepared not only a place. You know, we we, we put people in the ground most of the time. You know, there are different types of burials, but most in our society... We put people in the ground and we put a headstone or a marker on top of the ground. And we go there to remember them and sometimes mourn them and things of that nature. Well, back in biblical times, they carved out in the Holy Land. Their way of burying people was carving out of stone caves, sometimes in the ground. You see this in the empty tomb of Lazarus? See this all over the tomb of the prophets, things of that nature? But not only did they just build a place to bury him, They would have the burial chamber but they would always have an extra place, an extra room that adjoined the burial chamber that oftentimes looked on the burial chamber that was prepared for people together if they wanted to anoint the body or mourn the body or pray over the body. And when you look at the empty tomb of Jesus, there was a large place, larger than normal, hewn out for the people together there because Joseph of Arimathea, I think, understood That no matter who the person was, they should have a right to come and see the Lord. Mary Magdalene, the woman who had been impure. The example of impurities. A prostitute. Amen. An adulterous woman. A whoremonger. Versus the example of purity. Mary, the mother of Jesus, somebody who was so pure she was handpicked by God to birth the Savior. Yet Joseph had to prepare the place that they all could come together and meet at the body of Jesus. Do you get that? Amen. You see, Joseph's work with the body of Christ created a place where the notoriously holy and those of ill fame and reputation could both find rest. And that's the way the church should be. Amen. Amen. Because we're meeting here to encounter Jesus. It's a true story I'm about to tell you. There was a man who Had been elected pastor without, excuse me, a lot of people knowing that a big church, the board had elected him as pastor. His church ran about 3,000. It came time for his first Sunday. He disguised himself and on purpose put on messy clothes, dirty clothes. Sprayed himself with something that didn't smell exactly great. Didn't shave for several days. Looked and smelt just like a homeless person. And he walked in. He had this arranged with the elders of the church. Nobody else in the church knew about it. Everybody just knew their new pastor was coming this day. It came time to preach, and this man got up from the back of the church and was introduced, and he walked to the front. And it began to rebuke the church as he was the pastor, because he talked about that he purposely had dressed that way because he wanted to see what kind of church he was coming to pastor. And by dressing that way, the people instead of welcoming him, instead of putting their arms around him, had shunned him. He had caught him talking about him. He had saw people pointing at him and laughing at him, instead of welcoming him because they didn't feel like that he was worthy. To be one of their church attenders, and he preached a message and talked about when he started his pastorate there. He wanted people to understood that understand they were going to change that. They were going to be in a church that welcomed everybody, because it's all about coming to meet Jesus. And Joseph of Arimathea, I think, was sensitive to that. I don't care who you are, if you want to come to the body of Christ. I'm preparing a place that anybody can enter. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people today who will prepare the body of Christ so that anybody can come in and everybody can meet Jesus. Amen? I want to close with this. The tomb of Joseph Initially was a tomb for weeping, but it became a tomb for rejoicing. They've painted over it now and they've redone because the walls, I think, started to cave in of the empty tomb. But if you looked at the picture of the empty tomb right behind where they had laid Jesus, when you walked in, was faded out. Some early, an early church cross dated back supposedly to the 3rd or 4th century and the wording had something to do with the holiness of God or worshiping God in other words the indication is that the tomb that Jesus was laid in that would normally represent defeat was never used again to bear another body but it became a symbol of rejoicing and resurrection And so the very ones that had once gathered there to mourn their loss forever would gather there to praise God for their victory. What kind of church member are you? How do you view the body of Christ? Some want to come and always mourn their loss. But I believe that God is wanting somebody to come to praise him for the victory. Sure, you may have lost something, but Jesus is Lord. Amen. It's time we be sensitive as the body of believers to the fact that God is risen. The tomb is empty, and we have a reason to worship God perpetually. Amen. Amen. Is it all going to be rosy? Oh, no, it's not all going to be rosy, but the tomb's always going to be empty. It's not all going to be easy, but the promises of God are still yet, amen? It don't always happen whenever I want it to, but it always does happen, amen? Would you stand today? Bible says in Proverbs 20 and two, 22 and two, "The rich and poor meet together, the Lord is maker of them all." I want to close with this thought. When they would meet together to anoint the body of the Lord. The thing that brought them together was way bigger than the things that divided them. Let's look at who we know went to the tomb. We know through indication, because of the longevity of his life, that quite possibly John was the youngest of all the disciples of Jesus. And we know quite possibly that Simon Peter was one of the oldest. But they both came together to see the body, young and old. Mary, the mother of Jesus, pure. Mary Magdalene, of a bad past. Sinner and saint. Different dialects, different backgrounds. It didn't matter what brought them together was greater than anything that separated them. There were differences among them, but what drew them together was more important than any of that. I recall some missions trips that this has happened, but probably the most real and personal was at the church of St. Anne, right beside the pool of Bethesda, the ruins of the Pool of Bethesda, Jerusalem in 1997. And I was overlooking with Brother Ron Ballinger, our missionary, the ruins of the Pool of Bethesda, and I was thinking about that wonderful story. That's the story of the man that the water was troubled once a year. The angel stirred the water, and whoever went in was healed, and he'd been there 38 years Told Jesus, I have no man to help me in the water when it's troubled. I'm crippled. But Jesus healed him on the spot. And my mind was on that, and I was thinking about that. And literally, about from here, it wasn't even from here to the, probably from here at the most, to the back of the church on this way. Inside the church that was built many, many, many centuries ago. And it was built whenever they didn't have. Uh, microphones and it was built in such a way that a voice would carry and I heard the most beautiful singing of the old chorus that I'm familiar with and you are too Hallelujah, Hallelujah and I walked in and to my surprise it wasn't Americans singing it it was a tourist group of Asian people their skin tone was different than mine. Their language was different than mine. But I walked in. And just walked in and they welcomed me. Made a place for me. Had a circle holding hands. And I just grabbed him. Couldn't communicate the other way. But I stood there with tears streaming. As we sang the song together. You know why? Because of all the differences between us one thing that brought us together as the body of believers was more powerful than any of the things that could separate us. And that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're not all going to think alike. We don't all like the same. That's okay. We need to think about the one thing that brings us together. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's more powerful than anything that would separate us. Would you join hands with the person next to you? Sing for if you could. I'm going
1: to lift my hands Till I can reach heaven I'm going to shout your
0: that is your brother and your sister in Christ we are the body of Christ the person you're holding hands with we are children of the most high God the word of God says that we are to believe the same thing we're saved by the same Savior we have one faith one spirit And one Lord. Sing it. Would you bow your heads in the congregation today? If you happen to be here and you say, you know what, Pastor Phoebe? I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I've not brought holiness to the body. But today I want to bring holiness to the body. I want God to sanctify me. I want God to use me. I want God to let me make a difference in the day in which I live in. If that's you, would you come and dedicate yourself to God?
1: Come on. Till I can reach sure I'm gonna shout your name. Till the walls come tumbling down, I come to worship. I come to worship. I'm gonna sing my song. Like I am gonna sing. I'm gonna shout for joy mention of the name. i come to worship. Yeah. i come to worship. Yeah. I'm gonna lift my hands till I can reach Him. I'm gonna shout your name. See my soul like i For
0: I want to remind you in closing of the Apostle Paul's writing about the body of Christ. Hallelujah. He said that there's neither male nor female, bond or free, Hebrew or Greek, or Jew or Gentile. You want to fast forward that 2016? At the foot of the cross, there ain't Baptist or Pentecostal. There's not black or white, not young or old. Amen? We're one in Jesus. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's wonderful, isn't it? We are made one by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad to be part of the body of Christ? Amen. Now listen, we ain't there yet. But look around you, we ain't what we used to be. And thank God we ain't what we're gonna be. Better days are coming, Amen. Praise God. Would you bow your head and let's be dismissing prayer. Brother Josh? Lane, would you dismiss in prayer? Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. You bless us with God for another chance to worship you in your house, God. We lift your name up, God. We give you glory, God. We give you praise, God. We're, we always want to say that, God, we've come to church to worship you, Lord Jesus. And for no other reason but to lift up your name, God. We thank you for who you are, God. We pray that you meet back here with us tonight, God, again as we come to worship and lift up your name. your name we pray, God. Amen and amen.